0: God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Um, God is good. We This last Friday, we had an opportunity to gather here and worship together, and it was really just a time for us to put agendas aside, put time aside, put preferences aside, and Just really just seek after the heart of the Father. And he showed up. It was a powerful night. Um, And I would encourage you, we try to do those um, a couple times a year. Next time we have a worship night, make sure to mark your calendar and be there. Um, It's just an incredible time to gather with believers and and seek him together and just get to pray for one another and and all that good stuff. Amen? Amen. 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 Um, I am 21 weeks pregnant this morning, so (laughs) we're excited. God is good with these twin boys, our little miracles in motion. Um, But I am out of breath, so I'm not out of shape. I'm just, I just can't breathe. So if this morning, you're like, why is she so, well, I can't understand what she's saying. I'm just, I'm, I'm here, okay? I'm here, and you're here, and the Lord is here, and that's all that we need this morning. So that is good stuff. Um, I'm excited. I get to open up a series with you this morning called Remain. Um, it's based out of John chapter 15. Uh, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, and so this morning, I want to dive right in, because I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. And so, um, I'm gonna read this verse, um, together. To you, but when any time the word remain comes up, I want you to participate with me. Uh, this isn't Regal Cinemas. We didn't buy a ticket to come in to watch and to consume. We came to participate and to hear from the Lord. Amen. So, whenever you hear the word remain, I want you to say that word remain, just so that gets ingrained in your brain today, because you're gonna. It'll make sense later. But we're gonna dive right into John chapter 15. I'm gonna read verses one. In me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and would you tell them, you are a branch? branch. Maybe look at your other neighbor and say, you are a funky looking branch. (laughs) We are branches this morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. You are a branch. Where are we at? Anyone who does not Remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, in my words, in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. We just go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask that he would speak to us. Jesus, we thank you that your word is alive, it is active, it is real, and we are here ready to hear from you this morning. So Father, would you transform us to become more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, if we're going to talk about this word remain, I think it's kind of important that we define what remain actually means. Remain means to continue to exist, especially after other similar or related people or things have ceased to exist. remains means to continue to exist, especially after things have ceased to continue to exist. You know, I think one of the most desired questions that humanity asks in life is, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Why am I here? Why did God put me on this green earth? We were designed to think that we were created for something more. We, we weren't designed to just wake up every morning, eat some mediocre food, get through the day, and get to the end of our life and just kind of make it through. I don't know about you, but I feel like God has designed us for more. There's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a reason that He has put us here. We ask, we ask these questions What am I supposed to do with my life? That's what you ask every single graduating senior uh, when, when the time comes for them to graduate. You're like, What are you going to do with your life? And can I be honest? That is the worst question you could ask them. They don't know. You don't even know what you're doing with your life. Like, don't put that pressure on them. Like, they are just trying to figure it out. They're just trying to graduate. Like, what are you doing with your life? That is a huge overarching question because the reality is that the minute we think we're doing one thing with our life, the next moment we're doing something else with our life. It's God's created us with this what is the greatest thing that I could choose to do with my life? And everything that we read in Scripture has to be read in context. Um, Just theologically, uh, when you open your Bible and when you read God's word, you have to understand the context that it was being written to and the people and the culture. Because sometimes, as believers, and it is okay, sometimes we are just not not all-knowing. We open our Bible, we find a scripture that feels really, really good. We apply it to our life in a way that does not mean what God meant it to mean at all. And so when you read scripture, you have to find the context. It's okay to ask questions, get real that's why we're here together to learn. And so we have to understand what context is. So when Jesus was referring to himself as the vine and his father as the vine dresser, to, to us at first, this doesn't seem very significant. Because in our culture, like, what, what is the purpose of a, of a vine? Like, what, that doesn't seem very significant in our day-to-day culture. But to the culture that the author was writing to, grapes and wine were significant to their culture. It was a part of the everyday income. Wine was a part of celebrations. Grapes were a part of everything that they did on a day-to-day basis. It was a big deal. So vineyards and vines and branches were a huge part. And even if you look in the Old Testament, God actually refers um, back to vineyards in Israel as, as the branches. If you look, and that's a, that's a whole other topic. But grapes were a, they were a crucial part of this culture. So in the vineyard, there were multiple parts that had to work together in order for the grapes to be produced. I don't know if you've ever tried gardening or or, or planting, but it takes work. And I'm not speaking from experience <laughs> because everything that I touch dies. And um, I was even talking to my husband this week. I was like, I would love to get some plants. He's like, Every plant that we have dies. I was like, I know it's not worth our time or our money. <laughs> but it takes work and it takes effort. And, and it, there's a process to gardening. There's a process to life, to growth. And, in, and the flowers, the crops, the fruit, they don't just appear one day. You don't just, you don't just automatically walk out of your door and, and say, I, I want there to be grapes, and there's just grapes. I mean, that would be magical, probably in a Disney movie or something like that. Or, or I want there to be flowers, and flowers just appear. No, there's a process to this. And so in the context of grapes, the branches would produce the fruit. They were connected to this vine. And Jesus said, I am the true vine. And this vine was everything for the branches. This vine would supply the nutrients. This vine would supply the water. This vine was crucial to the life of the branch and the life of the fruit. It it was crucial for the grapes to even be able to grow. It would send the needed water and nutrients to the branches so it could be fruitful and do what it was created to do. And then there was the gardener. The vine dresser. And this gardener, the vine dresser, he would come along and he would tend to the plant and he would cut off, he would prune, he would take care of any bad or diseased plant that was part of the plant so it didn't ruin the rest of the plant. It would keep it from the rest of the plant from, from dying, from decaying, from becoming diseased. So in John chapter 15, this was the message that Jesus gave to his disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was crucified. You see, the the disciples had been with Jesus day in and day out. They were with him in the flesh. They got to talk with Jesus. They got to eat with Jesus. They got to ask Jesus questions. Their relationship with Jesus was on a personal, like face-to-face encounter. And Jesus was preparing them. He was saying, hey, my time has come. I am about to go. And so he's leaving them with his message that that they won't be with him like he was every single day anymore. Their dependency and their need for him would be even greater than it was in this moment when they had him face to face. So Jesus intentionally left them with these words before he was crucified, resurrected, before he, before he ascended to heaven. And he has left us with these words as well. In John 15, it answers this overarching question. It's, it's central to the whole gospel, in my opinion. And many theologians agree that John 15 is central to the life of believers. And it answers this overarching question. It's this crucial text, and it answers this question, what is my purpose? We look a lot of different places to find our purpose. But God, he answers it in this text right here, that your purpose is it's not to be the latest and greatest It's not to be the best mom. It's not to be the best dad. It's not to be the best in your career. It's not to find the best career. Your purpose is not to be the most loved, to be the most known, to be the most seen. All of these things are temporary. You know what Jesus is telling us this morning? He is telling us that your purpose and my purpose is to simply be a branch. It's profound. Your purpose is to be a branch. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, you are a branch. You are a branch. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so when Jesus is saying this to his disciples, when he's saying this to us, he's saying, I am the ultimate source of all life. I am the ultimate source of everything that you need. I am the ultimate source of everything that you could need or desire or ask for. He is saying that he is our purpose. And he is also saying that our lives, apart from him, mean absolutely nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do absolutely nothing. Why? Because he is the ultimate source of life. He is the true foundation of life. Without him, we have nothing substantial to to grow in. We have nothing substantial to, to stand on. So without this connection to Jesus, we are nothing and we can do nothing. Branches are completely dependent upon their vine. It's a relationship. And so, so often, we think that we are able to sustain ourselves. We think that we're able to kind of hold things together on our own. We like to be Mr. Independent. We like to be Mrs. Independent. We like to try to get it all figured out on our own. We like to try to answer the hard questions in life and try to deal with things. I don't know about you, but I hate being dependent. It makes me feel weak. It makes me feel vulnerable. And I like to pretend that I'm strong enough to do things that I know that I'm not strong enough to do. And I end up in a spot where it's like, oh, man, I I found myself in some trouble because I'm actually not able to do what I thought I could do. I'm not actually able to be independent. I need to be dependent. You know, I I love flowers. (laughs) Where are all my flower people at? You love getting like, yeah, okay. You love getting like a bouquet of flowers. You go to the store, maybe somebody gets you some flowers. Maybe someone should get you some flowers. You go to the store, and you, you put them in a vase, you put some water in there, and you put them on the table. And it's, they're what? They're beautiful. But you know what's awful about flowers? They die quickly, rapidly. Unless you have the hands of like my mother and she can touch anything and make it come to life, like back to life. She has, <laughs> God's anointing is upon her. <laughs> but flowers, like they literally, you, you, you cut them from their source of life. And they look pretty for a while, like they look good for a while, but eventually they start to wither, eventually they start to fade, they start to die. And unless you're a weirdo, you, you take those flowers and you throw them away eventually. Why? Because they're dead. They start to smell, they're decaying, and there's, there's nothing beautiful about those flowers anymore. You know, the same is true for us. If we are not growing daily, we're dying gradually, right? And without this connection to Jesus, we are eventually going to die spiritually. If we don't have this connection with Jesus, if we aren't actually connected to him, although it may feel like for a while we've got it together, we've got it going on, and and we can sustain ourselves, eventually we are going to end in a slow death. Maybe, like, I got it. Well, that's good for you. But five years down the road, ten years down the road, when you realize that I'm not actually connected to Jesus, there's a problem. Why do I suddenly feel weak? Why do I have all of these problems going on in my life? Why do I have no peace? It's probably because there's a disconnect. We were not created to be self sustaining, we cannot function alone, no matter how much culture prays and affirms that behavior. Like, yeah, you just do it on your own. You, you got this. You go. You go, girl. You go, guy. <laughs> you get that. You, you make that hard decision. You do what's right for you. No. Eventually, that is going to lead us to a, to a death that we didn't want to die. You see, there is not weakness in needing your father. That is the absolute strength that you could have in your life. You are not weak for needing to be dependent. You are strong for admitting your weaknesses and realizing that you need to be dependent upon your Father. Dependency is not weakness. Dependency upon your Father is actually your greatest strength. You see, I, I want to break something down for us this morning. That being connected to Jesus is different than being close to Jesus. And what I mean by this is that there's so many stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, of people who got, kinda, they got close to God. People who, in the New Testament, they rubbed shoulders with Jesus. They got close to Jesus. They got face-to-face with him. They asked him questions. They, they kind of got curious about who he was. And they just wanted to see who he was, but they didn't actually get close enough to understand and know who he was. There's a difference between seeing and knowing. And so there was these people in the, in the New Testament, they would rub shoulders. I mean, think of the Pharisees, for example. They got to... They got kind of to see who Jesus was, but they didn't actually know who Jesus was because if they knew, their actions would have been so much more different. And and sometimes I think that we think that being close to Jesus equals being connected to Jesus, but that's not the case. Because you can be close to Jesus, but without that actual connection, you're not growing. And I think sometimes in church, we come here on a Sunday and, and it feels good. We have like the best greeters on the planet. By the time you get in this seat, you've met like 50 people. And they've told you, hi, good morning. They've given you a free gift. You, you got your coffee. You sat down. You a bunch of friendly people. The, the seats are they're comfy. The, the, the worship is good. The, the teaching is good. And, and you feel close to Jesus in that moment. You feel close on a Sunday. Why? Because it feels good. But then Monday morning rolls around. And then you wake up to your problems. You wake up to the job that you don't like. You wake up to the family that's dysfunctional. You wake up to the sin that you didn't deal with yesterday. And you're like, why? I thought I was close to Jesus. And the reality is that you got close, but you didn't actually become connected. And because there's that disconnect, you feel that disconnect on the day to day. And we get comfortable with this. And that's not how God designed us to live. He didn't ask you to just come here and to get close to Him. He asked you to come here and to connect with Him to remain in him, to have this real relationship with him. Being connected to Jesus is so much different than being close. But ultimately, like these people in, in the Bible we see and the people that we know, they, they don't have the faith to believe that staying close to Jesus, that following him and putting their faith in him is, is worthy of their purpose in life. And they go off to find better. And this has to be the greatest tragedy. Because how many of us are trying to stay close So it looks good on the outside, but the reality is that we're struggling with things on the inside. We're still wrestling deep down, trying to find a better purpose. I want to be financially stable. I want to fulfill my desires in this this career. I want to be known. And we get lost in this connection with Jesus because our wants get in the way. We think that our wants are our real needs. Little do we know that our real need is actually just being connected to Jesus. And in that connection, he will supply our every single need. You see, a branch, if you picture a tree, a branch that is laying on the ground next to the tree is, is not going to bear any fruit. It's not going to produce any life. There's not going to be any leaves that actually come forth from that branch. Why? It's close to the tree. And if, if it's close to the tree, shouldn't that branch be a part of the tree? But that branch isn't actually connected to the tree, so it doesn't have the, the supply that it needs. It's not connected to the life and nutrients that it needs to, to bear that fruit. And the same is true for us. You see, I just wonder how many of us think we're growing in our faith, and the reality is that we're actually dying because there is no real connection. We've been kind of lost in this facade of, I'm close, and I, I feel close to Jesus. Jesus. I don't even really know who Jesus is. I know, I know him because of what the pastor says. I know him because of what the worship songs say. I know him because of what other people have told me, but I don't actually know him for myself. Scripture tells us that Jesus often withdrew from the crowds to go spend time with his father. Jesus withdrew. Jesus stepped away from the crowds, the people that he was there to serve, to spend time with the father. Church, how much more should we be withdrawing and getting away to go spend time with our Father? If Jesus, the Son of God, had to withdraw to go have that connection with his Father, how much more should we be doing that? You see, closeness doesn't bring about transformation. Connection does. Closeness isn't going to bring about that transformation. Only connection is going to do that. When is the last time that we, we opened up our Bibles and we put all distractions aside and we just said, Lord, speak to me? God, reveal your word to me. God, you promised that when I, I open up your word that you would speak, God, I just want to know you for myself. I don't want to go to all of these different people. I don't want to ask all these questions. I just want to get to know you for you, just me and you. When's the last time that we went, bef- like, we went to Jesus before we went to family and friends in our, our social circles? And ask Him, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, what do you what do you want? What do you say before we go to anybody else? When's the last time, like we got on our faces before the Lord and said, "God, I just want to be close to you. I just want to. I don't want to just be close, God. I want to be connected to you. I want to have this lasting relationship with you." You see, connection to Jesus it's it's not about religion. Connection to Jesus is about relationship. It works two ways. He's real, and he desires to meet with us every single second of the day. But so often, we're so busy that we don't even give him a second look. We go back to that self-sustaining Mr. Independent, Mrs. Independent. We get in our own lane, and we try to do life on our own. We wonder why we're struggling. We wonder why we're lifeless. We wonder why we're so defeated. It's because we're, we're close, but we're not actually connected. You see, connection to Jesus requires full surrender. It requires absolute trust. You are submitting yourself to the care of your Creator. You are allowing Him to supply your every need. You you are submitting yourself to Him. You're allowing Him to come in and and to cut off the the parts that that aren't fruitful, the parts that aren't creating life, the, the parts that don't look like Him. You're humbling yourself and saying, I can't do life on my own. I need my Savior, I need my Father. I have to live in surrender because without Jesus, I have absolutely nothing. It's like that song that we sang, like nothing else will do. Nothing else. But do we really mean that? Or do we just say it because the worship team puts it up on the screen on a Sunday morning? Or is that the cry of our heart? God, God, I need you. I want you to do me a favor. If you have your cell phone, would you take it out? Go to the camera. Put it in front of your face. You're like, well, this is awkward. I want you to put it in selfie mode. Tell me what you see. Some of y'all are like, man, I, I woke up like this this morning. This is good. What do you see? Yourself. I hope you see yourself. You see yourself. Can I be real with you? I think sometimes when we we talk about the fruit that Jesus brings in our lives, we look at the life that Jesus has given us and we we look at ourselves and we think that that fruit is going to be all about us. And we think that this fruit that Jesus is going to create in our life is maybe our Wants and our needs and our desires. We we think that it's our aspirations. We think that this fruit is just the, the blessings on the blessings that he wants to give to us. And we we make this all about us. We kind of make it this prosperity gospel of well, if I if I remain in Jesus, if I, if I abide in Jesus, then then he will bless me and give me the life that I desire. But that's not the gospel. As you remain and as you submit and as you stay and as you abide in Jesus, what happens is that the fruit that you bear is not fruit that looks like you. The fruit that you bear is fruit that looks like Him. If you ask, What is my purpose in life? Church, our purpose is to be image bearers of Christ, our purpose is to bring glory to the Father. And so as we remain, as we stay, as we abide day in and day out, you will begin to bear fruit, and that fruit's not going to look like you. And to be honest, that fruit shouldn't look like you. That fruit should look like your Father. That fruit should look like Him. That fruit should look like peace, patience, goodness, kindness. That, that fruit should look less and less of, of you and your wants and your desires, and that fruit should look more like your Savior. Why? because your purpose is to be a branch. Your purpose is to be an image bearer. You are bearing his fruit. You're not bearing your own fruit. You're bearing his. Where you lack patience, he will begin to give you his patience. Where you maybe lack love for people, as you remain in him, you will begin to love people like you never even loved them before. You're like, I didn't even have love in my heart for that person, but now I'm bawling over them. Like, how does this happen? It's because you remain in Jesus. He begins to transform you to become more like him. It's this beautiful transformation, where as you disconnect from yourself and you connect to him, you say, God, I just want to be more like you. That is the greatest thing I could do with my life, is Jesus just being more like you. Church, we are the evidence of who he is and what he's done here on earth. We are the evidence. It's us. We were created to be image bearers. And his promise is that as you remain in him, that he will remain in you. He doesn't just ask us to remain in him. His promise is that I am here with you every step of the way. And as you connect with me, as you abide in me, day in and day out, you make that hard decision, I am right here supplying all of your needs, not your wants, your needs. Meeting you exactly where you need to be, giving you exactly what you need in this season that you need it. Remain, it means to continue to exist, especially after others have ceased to exist. You see, you have to make that decision to remain. Nobody can make that decision for you. Not your neighbor, not your mom, not your dad, not your dog. You have to make that decision for yourself. I am choosing to remain. I am choosing to stay. Because can I be honest? Remaining is hard. Persevering is hard. And we see this in the gospel. We see this the night that Jesus was betrayed. He goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he goes and he asks his disciples, he uses the same word remain. He says, can you, can you stay? Can you remain and keep watch and pray with me as I go and pray? Jesus is about to be crucified and all he's asking them to do is just stay awake. And Jesus goes and he, and he prays and he comes back and he finds them asleep. They couldn't even stay for a minute. And if the disciples couldn't do that in their weakest moment, church, man, it's hard sometimes. It's hard to stay. And we see this kind of unraveled because that first decision to disconnect from Jesus and they let their fatigue get the best of them in that moment just because they were tired. The rest of the night, we see them one by one disconnecting from Jesus. Hey, weren't weren't you the disciple? No, I, I don't know him. Weren't you with Jesus? No, I don't know who you're talking about. And we see them begin to run away out of fear. They disconnected from Jesus. Man, I hope and I pray that we would be so firmly rooted in Christ that even when the hard comes, even when the stressful comes, even when it gets so hard we don't know what else to do and we want to uproot, we choose to stay, we choose to remain. Say, I'm staying with Christ. This is where I belong. You see, connection is gonna cost you everything, but that connection is everything to you. You want that life. It comes in that connection. So no matter what it costs you, your family, your career, can I encourage you to make that hard decision and stay. Remain. Other people are gonna walk away. People that you thought were gonna stay are gonna walk away, but choose for yourself. I also wanna encourage you to be desperate. Like the branch needs The vine It's not an option. It needs the vine in order to produce the fruit. And we need the Father. Every single morning, we need the Father. Every single second. Church, can it be the cry of a heart? God, I need you. And I I don't just need, like, I need you. It's okay to be vulnerable before the Lord. That's how he wants us. It may not be flashy or seemingly significant to the human eye, but it is my prayer that we would be the best branches out there. If I don't do anything else with my life and I'm just a branch reflecting my father, that's the best thing I could do. Because as you connect to the father, the reality is that people are gonna begin to recognize you and that's good because you're an image bearer. You're not here to bear your image. You're here to bear his. And as you stay rooted, my hope and my prayer is that people look at us and they don't say, hey, I recognize you. My hope is that they say, I see Jesus in you. I see God all about you. Can you tell me more about him? How are you living this life? How are you doing things this way? Your life is completely transformed. It's because I've chosen to be connected. It's because I've chosen to stay, remain, stay put. And you know, God gives seasons to all of life. And we see this winter, spring, fall, summer. And sometimes I think we expect to bear fruit in every single season. We expect to just be 24-7. We're just, we're just fruitful. But the reality is that God works in seasons. And sometimes it feels like we're in a barren season. Sometimes it feels like we're in a fruitless season. Sometimes it feels like we're in a dry season. And can I encourage you, if you are a believer and you feel like you are in a season, and you're like, I don't feel like I'm bearing any fruit, and you're looking at your neighbors, you're looking at your brothers and sisters, and saying, would you look at their harvest, like God's hand is all over them, when is, he, when is it my turn? Can I encourage you with something this morning? Remain, remain, and keep remaining. Because God's promise is sure, and every single seed that he planted comes to fruition. Everything that he says comes into pass. And so it may be a hard season for you, it may be a dry season for you, but you stay planted, and he is going to come through. You are going to bear that fruit. He has promised it. That is his confidence. That is our assurance. Right. But remain. It may be dry, it may be long, it may be hard, but stay put. Don't uproot. Stay. Stay. In a minute, we're going to, I can't think of a better way than to respond to this kind of message than with communion, and we're going to take communion in a minute, but I want to pray over you with every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here, and you, you'd say, hey, i I've had a hard time connecting. I've gotten close to Jesus, but the reality is that I don't really feel this. Connection with Him, and this morning I want to make that connection with Jesus. I don't want to just be close. I, I want to be desperate. I want to be connected. If that's you, I'm going to ask you, just as a sign of faith and surrender, just raise your hand so we can pray over you. And that's me. Yeah, vulnerability is where we start. And maybe you're here, and you're like, I've been bearing. I've I've been in the winter season. I'm in a barren season. I'm in a dry season, and I don't see God's hand. I don't see where He is. And you just need his encouragement this morning to stay, to remain a little bit longer. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand too. I wanna pray for you. God sees exactly where you're at. He knows exactly when he planted that seed. And he knows exactly when he's gonna bring it into fruition. So as I pray, would you just have this own conversation with with him personally? Father, I thank you that you are the true vine. That Jesus, you, you have not forgotten about us. You have not rejected us. God, you've you not abandoned us. God, I pray for those in here who feel like they are just in a dry season. God, they're in a barren season. God, they don't see the fruit of what you have promised. God, would you give them the courage to stay? God, even though it's long, even though it's hard, even though it feels so dry, God, would you give them everything that they need to remain in you? Even when other people walk away, when other people say no, God, would you give them everything that they need? God, encourage their hearts this morning. God, help them to realize that hope is on the horizon. And Father, would you, for those of us, God, we're close, but the reality is that we're not actually connected. Jesus, would you create a hunger, a desperation inside of us that says, God, I just need you. I don't wanna just be close. God, I need to be connected to you. God, give us a hunger that we've never felt before. God, that it would be our desire every single second of every day just to be near you because you are our source of life. You are everything to us. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in us. We love you. Pray you guys have a blessed week.